Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. We're reading from the New King James Version. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are glad that you're here this morning. For those that are visiting with us, we know that we have some who are uh, in town perhaps for the holidays. We welcome you, hope that you're uh, made to feel welcome, and hope that uh, you'll have a safe travel back to wherever that uh, may be. If you are local, we're glad that you're here, and we hope that you'll uh, consider making Graber Road your church home. We'd love to talk to you about that, love to visit with you about that, but uh, welcome this morning and hope that you find the worship encouraging and that uh, the people here are, um, are helpful and that you'll find them warm and friendly as, as we know them to be. I have mentioned before that I have a fascination with Everest, Mount Everest, not that I want to climb it myself, but there's a certain fascination about what kind of people it takes to want to climb to the uh, cruising altitude of a commercial airplane. I don't understand that quite, but I do understand the appeal of wanting to climb a mountain. I understand the appeal of having uh, the, uh, the process of, of getting all the gear together and actually making the ascent, but then having the exhilaration of being able to stand on the summit and say, I made it, I made it. There's a temptation for each one of us to want to say in various aspects of our lives, I've made it. I've made it financially. I've made it work-related. I've made it to the position that I've aspired to. I've made it with regard to getting my kids out of the house and, and moving them on into, uh, into college or into the next phase of their life. I've made it. When in reality, as we look at Christianity and we look at our responsibility, folks, our life is consistent of an upward climb. Our responsibility is, like the song we sing sometimes, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. And as we gain those heights, as we move, we recognize that our responsibility as Christians is to continue climbing. And we'll define what that means here in just a moment. We're turning our attention this morning to the uh, book of Ephesians, or sorry, book of Philippians, rather. Philippians is an epistle that's all about joy. In fact, you might have heard a term that uh, Philippians has more to say about Christian joy than just about any other book. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul talks about the Christians there in Philippi as his joy. And as he talks about joy, what you find repeatedly emphasized besides joy is having a mind that's like Jesus. Just in these scripture references, we're not going to take the time to go through all of them, but I want you to notice that every single one of these has something to say about the mind that we cultivate about the way that we think about ourselves with regard, to, uh, with regard to Christ. With the famous scripture that we learned up here in Kids Sing with our kids, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1, and, 1 through 11. He says, let this mind, verse 5, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How we think about ourselves with respect to Christ, with respect to the climb that we're on, is going to have a whole lot to say with how much work we're able to do and how useful and how busy we're going to be in the Lord's service about whether we're really climbing or not. Surveying the book of Philippians just for a moment, 
notice one thing, that one major point that he's going to emphasize from each chapter that's important for us. Chapter 1, he's going to talk about the consideration that we have for one another. The consideration that we have for one another as a church family or as people that are trying to please God. Paul says, Christians of Philippi, I regard you. I think about you. I pray for you. In fact, I'm always making mention of you in my prayers. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3. But then he goes on to talk about the special care that they had for him while he was in distress and while he was in difficulty. And while he begins to write to himself to talk about his current circumstance, about how he's there in Rome and uh, chained to a Roman guard in a two-year imprisonment. Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's writing this letter from prison talking about Christian joy. But he's talking about the responsibility these people had shown to him, but also the responsibility he had to him in consideration for one another. Look at chapter 2. We've already made mention of this briefly, but we are committed to having that one mind, the mind of Jesus. And as he goes through chapter 2, he talks about the mind of Christ, about how he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And then Paul goes through and talks about his own example and about how he had shown an example of a humility towards these Philippian Christians. And then he goes through two other examples at the end of chapter 2, talking about Timothy. He says, for I have no one that's like-minded that are going to sincerely care for you like Timothy is. Isn't it wonderful that we have Christians that are able to consider us and care for us through the mind of humility, through the mind of Christ, as we climb together. Chapter 3 is all about the climbing. We're climbing with that one purpose, with that one goal in mind. The scripture was read for us just a moment ago. Paul says, not that I've already attained or have already been perfected, but I press on, I keep on climbing on that upward way. We have a responsibility, Christians, to do the work of Christians to walk after Christ, to walk in a way that's pleasing to him. And he's going to go on and talk about at the end of the chapter those who are not walking towards that. He says, in fact, those people are walking and he says their gods are their own bellies. They're just serving their appetites. They're not interested in doing anything else. They're, they're just interested in filling their own bellies with their own lusts and their own wants. He says, we're not like that. Don't be like that, Christians. You have the mind of Christ. You keep on climbing. Chapter 4. And what I believe is the thesis statement for the book of Philippians is having these two ladies, especially at chapter 4 opens, verses 1 and 2, Euodia and Syntyche, these two ladies that are not getting along and who are useful in the gospel and who are uh, at one time fellow laborers with Paul. He says, whatever's going on in that, Christians, you have a responsibility to help Euodia and Syntyche to bring back together, to come back together. He says, you have a responsibility to help these ladies to get along because we're one. Because we need to have joy in Christ. As we look at these points, emphasizing unity, emphasizing one mind, emphasizing a Christian's joy. Christians, we're looking especially at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And his point here in this is exactly as we stated just a little while ago. While we may not be climbing Everest, we are on the upward scale. We are on the, the upward way. And as we're on the upward way, let me show you four things from this text, verses 12 through 14, that we do well to consider as we consider where we are here at Graver Road at the end of 2021. Number one, as we're looking at chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, we're climbing for one purpose. We want to understand as the upward way, Paul says, I've surveyed my progress. I've surveyed my progress. 
He says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What Paul says is, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't made it. I haven't summited the highest call of my life that I've been given. I'm still on the way. I'm still climbing. I imagine those people climbing Everest get to a point in about the middle of the climb. And what's amazing about Everest is that there's four different camps. There's one that they call base camp. And then there's camp, uh, camp two, camp three, and then camp four, which is uh, way up high so that you wake up in the middle of the night to start climbing so that you can get there before the weather starts getting bad. It's an amazing process to me. It's an amazing thing to think about. But I imagine these, these climbers getting so tired and getting so fatigued, especially with the low oxygen there of Everest of being on the rooftop of the world. But can you imagine a climber like that holding on to their rope and turning around and looking all the way back down and seeing from where they came? There's some comfort, at least in some part, in being able to look down and see where you are in respect to where you were earlier. Christian Jim prayed for us just a few minutes ago that we can reflect on our lives. And I hope that at the end of the year, every year, you do that. Examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. Self-reflection is a good thing. Search, my, search me, O oh God, and try my heart. Know, try me and know my anxiety. See if there's any false way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Looking at ourselves, thinking about ourselves, about how we've grown in the past year is a good thing. Seeing the progress that we've made spiritually speaking is a good thing. But as we survey our progress... It should never be with the conclusion, whew, I have mastered that, therefore I can move on. Whew, I've gotten through that, therefore I can, I can keep on just doing whatever it is I want to do. It's not about that. It's about serving our progress, but then realizing that there's still a job to be done. Number two, Paul says in the second half of verse 12, I've stoked the fire of my will. Curious phrase there in the second part of chapter verse 12. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Kind of a paradox. Interesting statement to look at, isn't it? In Paul's soul, what Paul's talking about is if he had turned away and decided to do anything else besides to press on, his highest goal and his life's purpose would be left undone. Consider our illustration. Everest climber pays the multiple thousands of dollars. It's about fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars if you want to climb Everest. Do you know that? I can't imagine. Wow, to, to to go and put yourself through that grueling punishment to being able to do that. But getting about halfway up, and then looking around and going, you know what? This is for the birds. All right, I'm going to get my Sherpa guide to go ahead and 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 guide me on down. I, I meant for the birds, you know, but uh, I guess punny it works, right? But you find that what he's doing is he's abandoning what he had purposed his life to do. What you find in mountain climbers is this drive to want to do it and want to summit. And if you don't have that drive, then yes, you're going to get into a difficult spot. You're going to get in a hard point, and you're going to say, that's it, I'm done, and turn around and walk away from that. I can't imagine a mountain climber like that ever being satisfied, can you, of realizing that they had come so close to their ambition and then walked away from it. Even more so, Christians, I imagine those people that start running the Christian race, that start living the Christian life, that start saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus and then turn away from that, I'm reckoning those people must be the most miserable people in the face of the earth. 
because what they had committed to, because what they had originally started doing, they left undone. And as they left undone, Paul says, if you walk, or sorry, the Hebrews writer says, if you walk away from that, Hebrews chapter 10, there's no more sacrifice for sins. There's just this fearful expectation of the judgment that's going to come and devour the adversaries. You know, somebody that walks away from Christ, somebody that walks away from what they know to be true, find a person like that spending the rest of their time, the rest of their life, trying to salve that wound, to salve that emptiness, whether alcohol, whether any of the number of vices this world can offer that person, and trying to soothe their conscience and still waking up in the morning and realizing today could be the day Christ comes back and I'm not ready. That is a special kind of miserable that nobody wants to experience. Christians, purpose of your life is to climb, chapter 3. The purpose of your life is to know Christ more intimately. That's chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. I want to know Christ and the power of his rising, share in his sufferings, and be conformed to the death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, I have a responsibility. Therefore, I'm going to stoke the fire of my will, and I'm going to keep on climbing because that's my job. Number three, note what he says here in the text, verse 13. I have stopped thinking about the things behind for the third time in this context, just in these two verses, Paul has said, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing that I do, and notice that the one thing that he does is given with two participles, two I-N-G words. What's your one thing, Paul? Forgetting what's behind. What was behind him? If we look way back down the mountain, we see that way down there at the very bottom of the mountain, before he started learning Christ, you know what he did? He took all of those Jewish credentials in chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, that he mentions, his Jewish pedigree, all of the academic training that he had, everything that he might have boasted in, everything that he would have said, well, you want to talk about being a Jew? I've got a PhD in being a good Jew. He said, I left all that behind. I'm not going back down there to get it. I forgot those things that are behind but the second ing, reaching. What's your one thing, Paul? Forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Friends, busy lives, like the life of an American Christian, let me rephrase, a Christian American in the 21st century, can cause us to forget our purpose. Instead of forgetting what's behind and reaching forward to what's ahead, what we find ourselves doing is reaching back to the things that we've already left behind and forgetting the things which are ahead, the things which we're supposed to be doing. When climbers that are on that mountain and on the Mount Everest, they cannot forget that their job is to climb it. They can't forget that their job is to summit. That's what they purpose their minds to do. And in fact, they stay in one place too often where they spend too much time waffling, going up and down and up and down because they can't make up their mind what they're supposed to do. That's death. They're going to find themselves dead. Don't be distracted by all the things that are not going to help us accomplish this task. Hebrews writer would determine this way in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Let's run with race, run with patience the race that's set before us. There are some things in your life that may not necessarily be sinful, but they are absolutely weighing you down. There may be some things in your life that are absolutely sinful that you need to leave behind and that you don't need to go back for. Christians, examine yourselves. Church, examine yourselves. How do you need to more effectively climb 
as the days go by. Number four, note what Paul says, verse 14. I've stoked the fire of my will, verse 12. Why? So that I can summit to God's highest call, verse 14. Paul has his eyes on the, look at the word, verse 14, goal in the New King James. Mark, King James Version. And in fact, in a picture of games, Paul earnestly desires the prize, verse 14, of a victor. And the task before him, he says, I'm doing this with a singular purpose. I'm pressing on. I'm moving forward. I want to attain that which Christ has laid hold of me. And some days, you know, it feels like as far as a Christian goes that we make good progress, spiritually speaking. You ever feel that way? Where some days you just say, well, I'm moving along. I can see the progress. And some days it feels like you're slogging through mud. I appreciate the grace of God in both those circumstances, don't you? About how in the days we feel like we're making great progress. I believe that's what James chapter 5 verse 13 tells us. On those days that we make good progress, if anyone is among you is cheerful, let him sing psalms. I have an opportunity to glorify God on those days where things are moving right and I feel like I'm making progress spiritually speaking, but those days that I feel like I'm walking through quicksand. If anyone among you is suffering, James 5 verse 13, let him pray. I need to turn to God both in the great times and in the not so great times. I need to honor him both in the good times and in the bad times. The purpose of our life is to summit God's highest call The singular focus is to continually, Colossians 3, seek the things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. I imagine one of the most motivational things for that climber of Mount Everest is to continue to be able to look up and see beyond the Hillary step and see all the way up to that summit and realize that no matter how far it is, I'm still going that way. I'm still going to go and I'm still going to make it. Having the fire stoked of his will and realizing this is the goal for which I was, I've made this trek. Feels weird to talk about because I don't know that I've ever done it before. But Christians, I, I want to talk about the church here at Graver Road with these four points in mind. Hopefully you've got them somewhere where uh, you don't have to refer back to the screen because I don't have it up here again. Okay, So if you don't have it by now, go back and rewatch the YouTube stream and, and get the points. But realize this as far as the congregation here at at Graver Road goes. As we look back, and we look back on our progress, what's amazing to me are the difficult things that I note that this congregation has gone through just in the past year from October 2020. Do you realize that just in the past year, we've had 13 of our family members here at this congregation that have passed away? That includes, or that doesn't include, one of our missionaries that we support, have supported for years. Devin Boo, uh, one of our Indian missionaries, passed away from COVID sometime back in uh, July or August, I think. And you think about those 13 people that have gone on to glory. And those 13 people that were so dear and so precious to us, that can leave us a little disheartened, can't it? That can leave us a little empty, can't it? More than a little empty. I think about this, and looking backwards... You realize we had eight families that have moved away from this congregation since October 2020. We've had good people, hard workers that have moved away just in the last year. I'm thinking about an Albers family. I'm thinking about a Gately family. I'm thinking about uh, a Dwyer's family. I'm thinking about, most recently, the Hall family. Eight families constituting a total of about 20 members 
Now, when you look around the auditorium and you see the gap that was created by those people leaving, recognizing that we used to have an Albers family that just sat right down here, a Gately family that sat right back over here, or a Hall family that kind of moved around based upon where they were in the, in the congregation. But you look around and you look for those people, and it's kind of disheartening, isn't it? To look around and realize those people are through various seasons of life. Again, these are not people that have gotten mad and gotten up and said, I'm going to take my toys and go elsewhere. These are people that have moved for legitimate life purposes. And that happens sometimes. But it leaves an emptiness, doesn't it? It leaves difficulty for us, doesn't it? I think about how we've got several of our members who have moved to long-term care facilities. Those people who you always knew exactly where they sat in the auditorium. And now they want to be here, and yet life and circumstances don't prevent them for or prevent them from actually coming. I hope that you're holding those people's hands up. I hope that you're encouraging and calling and, and encouraging those people as they transition into different life circumstances. Because I know, I know having visited with a number of them, they want to be here. Almost more than anything else, they want to be back with the church family. And yet at the same time, as we look, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, from October 2020, I want you to realize, folks, and please, I say this respectfully, how far we've come. We've had 17 people who are directly associated with this congregation who have obeyed the gospel. 17 people who are either immediate family members, people who are here in this congregation. This includes the Krejci twins who obeyed the gospel this past Sunday. We've had 17 new converts who are either people that have studied with through a free home Bible study or, or uh, I'm thinking about the Savager's parents or uh, um, Sarah Savager's parents who obeyed the gospel up uh, near St. Louis. Through our efforts in preaching and teaching the gospel, we've had 17 people who are now Christians who weren't a Christian a year ago. I think about, again, changing life circumstances. We've had 11 new families that have placed membership with us, 32 people in total. 32 people in total, 32 people who might not have been members here a year ago. And you look at the way that we're growing and the way that we're uh, continuing to press on. Yes, we accept loss. Yes, there's things that, that, that change in our lives that we don't have any control over. But folks, that does not change our mission one iota. That doesn't change our, our purpose one, one inch. We still have edification. We still have evangelism. We still have benevolence at our core. And this is the reason why we exist. The question is, how are you going to be more effective? How are you going to be more involved in climbing with us this year? How are you going to devote your talents and your abilities? Because we're a body. You have a part to play. I have a part to play. Every single one of us have a mission here. And with what we've accomplished as a congregation and what we've done as God's people here in Rosenberg, Texas, the question we ought to be asking ourselves is, how can I be more effective climber in 2022 if the Lord grants us that than I was in 2021? Let me give you just a couple of practical ways just for a moment. Next Sunday, one week from today, we are going to begin a Timothy class, a men's training class. And lest the old men say, well, that's just for the young men. I want the old men to be a part of it. Lest the young men say, well, that's just a game for the old men. I want the young men to be part of it. Dads, I hope you will make it a point to come with your boy, with your young man. You don't have a young man, that's fine. But what we're interested in is every member of Christ doing their part. 
every able-bodied man to learn how to lead, learn how to serve, learn what it takes to stand before a, a microphone like this and be able to lead a public prayer, to be able to uh, preside over the Lord's Supper or be able to lead a song or be able to lead a prayer or be able to give a devotional or give a, a lesson like what I'm doing this morning. That's, nothing that we ta- that's something we take for granted sometimes that men just know how to do. And if you don't know how to do it, well, that's just not for me. Here's a class for you. Men, next Sunday, 4 p.m., 4.30 p.m. rather. 4.30, we're going to gather in that back room back there, the annex room, and we're going to start studying about some of these things, and it's going to take us through the entire month of February. Commit. This is a way that you can grow, and this is a way that you can serve. Maybe you've never thought about teaching an adult Bible class or a, a, a child's Bible class. This is an opportunity to help you grow in that respect. And dads, we better want this for our kids so that whenever they become Christians, if they're not already, when they get that old enough, it's going to be old hat to them to be able to stand up and lead a public song or to be able to stand up and lead a public prayer. Two weeks after that, on January 16th, my wife is actually going to begin what she's calling a ladies' tea, which is going to function in a lot of respects in the same way for ladies to be able to grow and develop as people who are in ladies' settings and in Bible class settings going to be able to lead prayers or give devotionals or, or those, those type of things as Scripture dictates. That's an opportunity that you have. That's not just for younger ladies. That's not just for teenage ladies. That's not just for older ladies. That's for all ladies. And I know that she'd love your support in being able to accomplish that. I know that we have a new partnership over here with George Junior High. Many of you have already been aware of that. Did you know that we have opportunities to serve that are coming just after the first of the year where those people have invited us in to provide a breakfast for their teachers during an in-service? This is this coming, uh, or sorry, a week from Monday. At 7 o'clock in the morning, we're going to gather together. We're going to take some uh, members over there and show these teachers how much they're loved and how much they're appreciated and how we're just right over here if they ever need anything. To open the doors and realize that we're climbing together, but we're trying to point people to Jesus and say, come on, join us on this upward way. In two weeks, we're going to present our program of work. Our elders have got a great program lined out that we've, we talked about as far as uh, that the preachers and elders talked about at the, uh, at the October retreat. And as that's presented, the question we have to ask ourselves is, I wasn't involved in this last year. How am I going to be involved this year? I wasn't growing in this last year. How am I going to be growing in this this year? Because if I look at the mountain and I just say I'm going to stay where I'm at, to use Paul's language in Philippians, you will never find joy like that. You will never be a joyful Christian if you don't find your joy in humbling yourself and having the mind of Christ. See, the Christian upward way is not like climbing Mount Everest. It's just not. The Christian upward way in looking at our life and our responsibility is about realizing that I'm never going to get to a point in this life as a Christian, I'm going to say, "Woo, I've made it. We used to sing the old VBS song, can't get to heaven on roller skates. You might just skate on right old past those pearly gates. We can't coast as Christians. There's a point in a climber's life that if they're climbing Everest, hopefully they're going to stand on top of that and take a selfie, and then they got to start climbing back down. Christian's climb is going to finish when we take our last breath or the Lord comes first, whichever happens first. And the Christian's climb is going to find us standing on Mount Zion with all the redeemed of the ages, Revelation 14, 
singing a song of Moses and singing a song to our Savior, the Lamb. And that summit is going to make, by any comparison, all of the suffering, all of the hardship, all the turmoil, all the difficulty that we faced while climbing our own Christian mountain, so to speak, pale in comparison as we gather around the throne and we sing for all eternity around him who has bought us with his own blood. Come and go with me to my father's house. Are you climbing on the Christian upward way today? If you are not, why not? If you are not climbing with us, why not? Examine yourself. Think about how you can be more useful this year to the Lord than you were last year. Don't be content to be a pew bolt, holding down a pew. Get active. Get motivated. If the Lord grants us another year, it's going to be a great year to his service. We need to stop asking, well, what can we do based upon the pandemic or based upon inflation or based upon this or based upon that? And start saying, listen, Paul was in prison when he wrote this epistle. What can't we do in the Lord's service? How can't we grow? Because we're committed. You're committed. If you've never made the commitment to Christ, we invite you to do that this morning. We invite you to come forward, that we can hear your confession, that faith in him, that we can hear that you're going to turn away from your sins and, and be devoted to his way, that you're going to follow after him every single day, and that you're willing to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins because that's the plan of God, raised to walk in newness of life. Start to climb this morning. Maybe there's a Christian here this morning who hasn't been climbing effectively. Maybe there's somebody who's been spending too much time going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, trying to go down and, and go back and get those things that we've left behind. Don't do that. Repent of that. Fix your eyes on the summit. And let's climb together as we stand and sing our invitation song.